Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Has there been any real progress in UFO research in the last 50 years? If disclosure, quote-unquote, comes from the government, will we be able to trust it? What are <coughs> flying humanoids? Hello and welcome to the 778th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno here on WOON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM and our 11th year on the air. I'm Ben and those highly suspicious questions came from my co-host, partner in the paranormal, and dad, Paul. And uh, today uh, we bring you one of America's top UFO researchers. And uh, if you'd like to be part of the show today, you can give us a call, 401-766-1240. From anywhere, you can email paulbehindtheparanormal.com, or you can message us on Facebook as well. Well, coming to us via Skype, more or less, from sunny Arizona, is journalist, researcher, broadcaster, and media personality Alejandro Rojas. He is Director of Operations for Open Minds Productions, the host of Open Minds UFO Radio, editor and contributing writer for OpenMinds.tv, and MC for the International UFO Congress. He has written for the Huffington Post and contributes to Den of Geek. For several years, Alejandro was the official spokesperson for the Mutual UFO Network as the Director of Public Education. He has done a great deal of UFO and paranormal research in the field and has appeared in the media around the world, including on the travel, sci-fi, and National Geographic channels. His website, openminds.tv. So Alejandro Rojas, welcome back to Behind the Paranormal. Hello, it's great to be back. Well, it's great to have you with us. So, I guess we'll start off with uh, with a, we'll just jump right into it, really. Um, what is the current state of UFO research, and has there been any real progress made in the last 50 years? I guess it depends on your perspective. In one sense, figuring out, you know, what's behind the mystery and uh, how it works and everything, I think it's debatable that we've learned anything in the last 50 years. Fair However, <laughs> what's really unique about right now is that we have uh, all of this insight recently on government programs to investigate uh, this topic, which is which is unique. We haven't had that in 50 years. So what's interesting is uh, right now we're learning more and more about what they investigated, what they learned, and uh, that information slowly coming out daily practically. Now, here's a question. Can we trust it? I think we can. Um, all the indications are that at least uh, kind of similar to Project uh, Blue Book, especially if people are watching the television show, that the investigations that we're hearing about are were genuine investigations done by people who were uh, looking into the mystery and trying to figure it out. Now... The question is whether or not there are any other kind of deeper secrets. And if people watch the television show Project Blue Book, they kind of suggest that, you know, information's being hidden from this kind of more surface investigation. And that could be the case. We don't know. Uh, the people who have ran this investigation that we are now learning about, in particular Lou Elizondo, who is the chief of it, it really seems, I've gotten to know him well, interview him a lot, that he genuinely was looking for answers. He admits there could have been other things going on that he wasn't privy to, but uh, he suspects that's not the case. 
Well, I just um, maybe uh, you know call me uh, cynical or whatever or old, uh, but you know I, who believes what the government says? And uh, a lot of our colleagues, as you know, uh, Alejandro, are, are going back and forth about this Project Blue Book. Um, series, which it wouldn't bother me as much if it wasn't on the History Channel. So, I mean, but these are all things we can get into later. Uh, the whole notion of disclosure is, um, it bothers me. Uh, there's always an agenda, and I don't know who believes what the government says. I mean, can you address, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but what, what, can you go a little bit deeper into that? Well, I think that the term the government is an umbrella term that covers not just a lot of different people, but a lot of different departments, military, uh, government departments. So uh, this is a lot of different organizations. And often these are not organizations that necessarily work well with each other. Um, the Army doesn't always share with the Navy. Uh, you know, the CIA doesn't share with the FBI, this sort of thing. So we don't always know who's doing what in regards to all of this stuff. It's kind of like all this news about the Space Force, where the Air Force already has a Space Force. The Navy has their own Space Force, but they don't really work together. Um, so there's a, there's a, it's much more complicated than what a lot of people know. So when it comes back, can we trust the government? I think you're right in that, especially when it comes to official information, there's always spin. There's always a PR angle. And unfortunately, it seems like the primary concern is typically... How do we look if we say X, Y, or Z? Not necessarily how do we convey the most accurate, honest information to the public. So there's definitely spin in everything that we hear, and that's something that we have to be aware of. What's interesting about this new program is that we're hearing from not a PR person, but the chief of this program, and at least all of the evidence that keeps coming out regarding what he said so far has been accurate he's very much like nick pope who you've probably seen on the show or had on the sure. show mm -hmm. who worked for his government in the uk investigating this stuff and over the years i believe nick pope to be an honest person he says there's certain stuff he can't share but um he doesn't have the smoking gun and elizondo's very similar uh in that manner he can't share everything he does know, but he can share certain information. And there's a lot of parallels between uh, Pope and Elizondo, and that that gives her some hope. So here's something that kind of just occurred to me that I I don't think I don't know if we've, we've ever asked it. So I'm I'm just going to throw it to you. Maybe we we've asked this before, um, but why disclosure now and what's what's the point who what does this mean for the average average joe like you know the av the average american how would this affect them yeah actually that's what's interesting and i think that's what's the most significant is that this has really very big impacts to the average joe and we've seen a i think a huge cultural um shift because of all of these recent revelations for the average joe this means that finally they have a credible source of information who is saying that this phenomenon is mysterious. Uh, as you all know, there's a lot of closeted people that have an interest in this topic and think there's probably something to it, but nothing official, nothing that, um, you know, there's not, there's only a handful of very credible information that comes out about this topic. 
But now, you know, the government's looked into it. And the media, the general public is treating this topic now more seriously than ever. Um, Elizondo feels that what he's revealed is disclosure. And uh, that we're now seeing those effects where the public is taking this seriously. The government is taking it seriously. They're having closed doors briefings with uh, witnesses, eyewitnesses in the military on this topic. All the sort of thing we've never had before. Hmm. I'd actually be kind of curious to see some sort of analytics, like like a, like in, in polls or whatever, to see which generations <clears throat> actually respond to it. Um, I don't yeah. know. If, I don't. I don't know if it's ever been done, but it seems like something Kathleen Martin might might have attempted to do mm-hmm. um, at some point in time. But I, I guess this kind of leads me to um, you know sort of a follow up to that, which is what kind of cultural shift can you kind? I can. I I think I I can see where you're going to go with it, but I kind of want to want to hear your opinion on it. Yeah, a cultural shift in that it's less uh, you know taboo to talk about and take this topic seriously. And that's the big one, because certainly uh, we face that. When I first got involved with this topic in the 90s, it felt like it was the worst ever, where even television shows could rarely cover this topic without essentially debunking it at the end of the episode. But uh, not anymore. Um, now it, like, it, it's on you know Fox News. It had Nick Pope, who we referred to earlier, on several times recently, including... Um, mostly to talk about some of these recent revelations that we've been talking about. So, uh, and and it, they take it very seriously. They're not making fun of it. Um, and we've had the same thing on other news channels. So, and you know, I cover weekly news headlines. I do this on YouTube Live and on my podcast, and you can see that that there are tons. There are many more headlines where local papers, for instance, are writing about UFOs and taking things seriously to kind of update and you people. You seem to have some interference here. Uh, go, go ahead, go ahead, okay. Alejandro. Uh, uh, so, like, yeah. what oh, are people, uh, you know, uh, reporting right now in our area? Is the sort of reporting that's going on out there. So, really, people are getting informed at a level uh, they never have before either. Okay. Uh, I wanted to get into... Now, I would agree, just to follow up real quick, it is UFOs light. It's not the deep kind of stuff that, you know, people like us have been looking into for the years, but at least it's an introduction and it's kind of a cultural shift. Okay. Uh, yeah, just one comment on, on your previous comments about the government. I think uh, it's a very good point you make that uh, essentially many agencies don't talk to each other. The military services didn't talk to each other until really uh, this, this late 70s, early 80s when they were made to do so and the, the Unified Force right. concept came up. But um, in any case, let's, uh, let's move on to a question from our faithful listener, Peter, in Columbia, South America. Um, and Ben, if you could read that there. Please. Sure thing. So Peter writes to us. Uh, can you please relate uh, an unknown, interesting uh, UFO, a uh, recent UFO case that has no connection to the stars, tech, or uh, Nimitz? Yeah, you know, that is a really great question. And it's interesting to note that there haven't been a lot of them. And, uh, you know, and of course, this, this Nimitz situation, which happened in 2004, was such an interesting one and was investigated by the government. That's why we hear so much about it. But, there is another case, and it, I think that, that 
what's interesting about this other case is it's very similar to the Nimitz in that it is uh, captured from a government aircraft uh, by a FLIR, forward-looking infrared radar camera, just like some of the video that we've seen from the Nimitz situation or from the New York Times article that revealed, you know, the whole thing with uh, Lou Elizondo. This was from Puerto Rico. I believe the sighting took place in uh, 2009, and essentially it was a customs and border aircraft that was launching from the Aguadilla area in Puerto Rico, and they saw at night this light out in the ocean. They didn't know what it was. They were able to get their flare camera onto the object before the light turned out, and they caught something, and they followed this object. It wasn't visible to the eye, but they could see it in their flare camera. It was nighttime. That's probably why it wasn't visible. They said it came in from the ocean, went over uh, the airport, kind of looped back, and went back out into the ocean. Uh, and they didn't know what it was. They took this to their superiors. Their superiors uh, then sent it to the Air Force. The Air Force says, we don't know what that is. So according to these witnesses who were, you know, personnel for uh, Customs, which is under Homeland Security, they were told, why don't you go try to find us some civilian UFO researchers can help you. Uh, so he did. Luckily, he got to a great group of researchers who were scientific-minded. In fact, they uh, are the basis of this new organization called the Scientific Coalition for Ufology, and they have their full report online. But uh, the results were inconclusive. There are experts that have looked at this and said, wow, this has characteristics. We don't know what the heck this is. So it's a really great place or a case, and I implore people to go take a look. Uh, like I said, it's on the uh, Scientific Coalition for Ufology website. Hmm. Okay. As far as the, uh, well, well, uh, before I, again, I want to get into some depth here, but I'd like to hear some more cases first. Uh, one, one that we build this show to as a, uh, a way for for you to tell us, uh, fill us in on the latest UFO news, the latest cases. Uh, what else do you have for us in that regard? Yeah, well, you know, uh, regarding this, this government program, I think that there's a lot more to it too, that nuances and new information that really haven't percolated or, or uh, gotten to the public so much that they know exactly what that is. And so, for instance, we found out through leaks from George Knapp of KLAS through Las Vegas that this uh, organization was set up, like the New York Times said, uh, it was funded at the tune of $22 million, but what we didn't find out in the New York Times, and it's kind of been subtly revealed is that it wasn't UFOs that they completely were looking into at first. In fact, their first investigation was into the Skinwalker Ranch, which is this Utah ranch where a lot of crazy paranormal stuff gets into. Yeah, and uh, there yeah. has, uh huh. Mm -hmm. And there's been this document revealed by some of the, the lead investigators and managers of this investigation that they were looking into poltergeists, uh, cryptic animals. Uh, these portals uh, to seemingly other dimensions that are opening up out of nowhere, a lot of really wild X-Files stuff. So this is more of a X-Files kind of investigation to begin with than, uh, than it was UFOs, and it got closed down because of uh, the influence of religious cabals inside of the intelligence uh, and, and politics who said, this is satanic. We can't investigate this anymore. Hmm. So it's a really interesting, wild story. Yeah, it really is. 
Funny, nobody's ever let us near that case. It's weird, and we know George not well, but he's a great fellow, a good journalist. Uh, but that being said, um, we were receiving a lot of questions. We have a lot of listeners in Monterey, Mexico, who are very interested in the uh, proximity to their area of the flying humanoid phenomenon. What do you know about that, and can you give us some examples? Because it gets up into Arizona, too. Yeah, you know what? Uh, I've heard, I've seen quite a bit, and I've followed the phenomenon. Um, I think, you know, one of the most interesting cases is comes from Mexico, where uh, we just have some pretty, at least substantial eyewitness testimony, and that these police officers were involved. And according to them, this witch-like, you know, entity uh, attacked them, jumped onto their car before flying off. I think that's the best case because we have some interesting, uh, you know, witness testimony. Otherwise, there are videos and pictures, but to me, not all of them are that compelling. And no, what's interesting is, yeah, and what's interesting is we don't really have, it, it's hard when it comes to photos and videos. People get excited about it, but typically they don't really give us much information because the object's way off in the distance and you can't prove that it isn't something mundane. Uh, but, yeah, this witness testimony from the police officers, that that's the most credible case to me. Yeah, oh, no, I agree. Uh, a lot of them, to me, look like, and people can, can look these up, flying humanoids, I guess, or some other term like that, uh, uh, YouTube and all there, all these things. Um, what, one does get the impression that sometimes these look just like a bunch of balloons, you know. Uh, but balloons yeah. don't float in a horizontal way. They, they tend to rise, so... I suppose you can take that or leave it as uh, a bit of evidence. But um, as far as the uh, the nature of UFOs, uh, Alejandro, you know, we, we tend to interpret things, particularly in the paranormal, according to our own narrow paradigm. And, and we've talked about this before, but... Uh, and, and we've gone round and round, too, uh, with um, the people like Steve Bassett, who's been on the show many times, uh, about whether... Uh, the whatever the government does know, getting back to disclosure here, that it even should be revealed. Um, but he, and, and he, Stan Friedman will say, well, there are things that should be kept secret. Uh, Steve Bassett says he wants to know, no matter how bizarre or horrible or threatening the reality that they may know uh, is. So what say you on that? Are there things that should not be disclosed? And uh, is, is there any evidence in your research that what is happening in the UFO sphere is um, either too bizarre or too threatening to uh, to reveal. You know, um, what I feel, and we've seen this from the investigations even of other governments, so what I mean by that is Chile, for example. They've had a meeting with a lot of different government officials to determine, you know, is this a threat, is there a threat here, and their government officials actually determined, no, this uh, phenomenon doesn't pose a threat. They said the biggest danger is our pilots being distracted by looking at UFOs. And at least from what we can see in uh, government investigations that we've been able to uh, get information from, there doesn't seem to be a, an immediate threat. Now, when you talk to Nick Pope or Lou Elizondo, they say as a defense employee, uh, we have to, if we don't know what it is, we have to assume it's a threat till we know for sure otherwise, which makes sense, but that it doesn't pose any, like, clear and present, we don't have evidence of any dangers being posed. Um, but I think that, that it's a really good argument 
as to why the government would reveal what. And even if that's the case, there isn't a threat, they still don't know. At least Lou Elizondo's department says we don't know. All we know is there's an advanced technology that is beyond what humans can do. Um, but we don't know where it comes from definitely. And so if you have an incursion in your airspace by advanced technology, you don't know what it is, you know, like the Air Force or, or the military, you don't want to tell the public that. Yeah, there's things flying in the middle, but we don't know what it is, nor can we defend you from them should they decide to, you know, uh, be aggressive. And so it would make sense from that perspective. If you're watching the Project Blue Book show, one interesting thing they pose is that the secret keepers who do have more information feel that they're protecting the public and they're protecting them from information. In fact, Tom... Oh, yep. Did we lose you? Oh, there is. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> Sorry, we lost Bill. you there for a second now. I don't know if you could go back oh, okay. and rewind for a few seconds. Yeah. Tom DeLong I was talking about, he believes that there is a big threat that is posed. However, he believes that the military is doing their best to defend us against this threat. So he does believe that, you know, the military is in the right with this secrecy and they have to be careful what they share. So it is a really interesting, and I think that it's intelligent for us to consider these things when we're considering things like disclosure or, or what have you. So, um, yeah, it is an interesting situation. Okay, yeah, it certainly is. There are all sorts of, uh, I don't want to, well, I suppose I could call them fringe opinions uh, on right. the nature of UFOs, you know, whether there is some sort of a cabal going on between uh, the governments or, or a government or the government working with, uh, quote-unquote, aliens, whatever that word may mean. Um, and I guess there's really an underground bases, you know, the entire th- thing, particularly in your part of the country. I mean, no one really knows. Uh, but we perhaps can get into that later. I wanted to ask you about the Phoenix Lights, because you live in Phoenix, uh, the famous Phoenix mm-hmm. Lights, which which actually I saw from an airplane in 2006. Oh, wow. uh, ben and I were on our way to San Diego to do a program, and <laughs> everybody was asleep. It was the middle of the night, and there they were, apparently. And we got to San Diego, and then, you know, the next morning picked up the paper, and there was um, a report that they'd seen the Phoenix Lights that previous evening. Uh, so what, what have you... What is going on with that phenomenon? Has it died away? And uh, could you tell us a little bit about when it started and what it's like? Yeah, the Phoenix Lights has been, and since I live in Phoenix, it's huge. The news loves to cover it. In fact, I do at least one yearly appearance on one of the local news stations to talk about the Phoenix Lights. But they are really interesting. Um, now, we do have Goldwater Range out here, which is a huge, you know, testing range. And they do drop flares. And the flares, and, and I learned this firsthand because I was skeptical that you could see flares from 80 to 100 miles away, that, you know, there wouldn't be smoke, that they would look like they linger or something strange, but they do. And when they're doing their exercises, and the planes that drop them have all their lights off. So, essentially, this is interesting. Pilots have IR where they can see each other, and the only lights they're emitting are cannot be seen by the human eye, only by IR. Um, so it's really interesting, and so you can't see the planes that are dropping these things. So there are a lot of mistakes where people see these flares over the Goldwater Range and think that there's something mysterious. Now, when it comes to the Phoenix Lights, that did happen later in the night. These flares were dropped. It is mysterious. It happened right after all these sightings. Mm. But prior to that, earlier in the evening, Beginning at 8 o'clock, and it was, what, 1997, 
all the way out to the border of California near Needles and the Laughlin area, that's when people started seeing these things, and they saw them uh, gradually, reports coming to the Phoenix area, and then you had thousands of reports in the Phoenix area. Governor Fife Symington, who was governor at the time, has come out and said he saw them, and he was in the Air Force, he was a pilot, and he doesn't believe them to be man-made. He believes them to be otherworldly. And then the most recent development is that Kirk Douglas, uh, you know, Goldie Hawn was watching a show on the Phoenix Vice, and they talked about a private pilot who made a report of the Phoenix Vice, and he's like, hey, I think that was me. He went and checked his logs, and sure enough, he was the one who made that report. So he was flying, because he's a pilot and he's got his own plane, flying his son to meet his girlfriend in Phoenix, and they saw it, and they couldn't figure out what it was, and they reported it. So that was the latest one. But, yeah, it is a really perplexing one because there were so many witnesses, just a ton of very credible witnesses. And it's not like they saw something out in the distance. They saw a chevron-shaped object fly over their homes directly above them, completely silent. Okay, well, we're, we're going to take a break here, our bottom-of-the-hour break. You're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WOON 1240 AM and 99.3 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Bonnie James. And I'm Dave Cos. This weekend, be sure to bring along the Dave Cos Radio Show with our special in-studio guest, Mr. Bonnie James. DaveCos.com for all the details and listen in this weekend for the Dave Cos Radio Show. Hi, fans of smooth jazz. The Dave Cos Radio Show can only be heard on ON, AM and FM every Sunday, twice on Sundays, once in the morning and once in the evening, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. The Dave Cos Radio Show is brought to you by the Carew Investment Group. It's the Dave Cos Radio Show right here on ON, AM and FM. Hi, this is Don Brunell inviting you to join us on the Midday Show from noon to 2 every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday with the Super Quiz, great oldies, and interesting guests. That's Midday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday from noon to 2. Okay, and we're back behind the paranormal today with Paul and Benino and our marvelous guest, Alejandro Rojas, who is a uh, major figure in the UFO community, and we've been talking a bit about the Phoenix Lights. Now, Alejandro, I just wanted to point out something that was... Now, I don't know if this was sent to me by accident, but it was sent to me by someone we both know in the Phoenix area who's a researcher, and uh, there was a lengthy um, video uh, with different segments uh, with pictures of of the Phoenix Lights, which usually appear as either a line of lights or, and of course there was the, as you mentioned previously before the break, the uh, triangular craft. Well, th- this uh, brief segment had a, uh, it was either, a, uh, looked like a Cessna to me, one of the smaller uh, private aviation uh, planes, and it had three lights in a triangular formation, which of course is illegal, but <laughs> whoever was flying the plane, I don't know. Um, is there ever any evidence of, of, of fakery as opposed to the phenomena being real or uh, the um, the flare theory? There have um, been, I mean, fake poaching goes on all of the time. Uh, but when the with the Phoenix Lights, uh, what the people saw going over their heads was humongous. And it was completely silent. So... Um, 
you know, I at least I haven't seen anything convincing, nor anybody making any real substantial claim that they hoaxed this. Yeah. Uh, in fact, the skeptics believe it was a formation of A-10s because there were exercises going on with A-10s in the area, but they speculate that the A-10s essentially went up north uh, to go to, I think they even said go to Vegas and then fly back to Phoenix. We don't have any logs to show that at all. Um, there were sightings of A-10s at one point uh, in the area, but, you know, these sightings in the Phoenix area where they're going right over their heads, A-10s are loud planes. Yeah, they are. Um, skeptics try to say that they're they're not they're that loud, but the difference between let's say uh, uh, an F sixteen and an A ten, although the A ten may not be as loud, they're still if you've seen them very loud yeah. planes. So if they're cruising overhead, you're definitely going to hear that. You're not going to have you know this huge silent thing coming over. Yeah. Um, so yeah, at least it. I think personally that it is one of the great cases. Oh, no, I, I agree. I didn't mean to imply the whole thing was hoax. But oh, yeah. You yeah. very often have a copycat people. I've seen that in poltergeist yeah. cases, you know. So, um, mm. okay. Now, as far as um, w- w- are there other interesting cases that have uh, occurred lately that um, might relate to uh, a Skinwalker Ranch type situation? Now, now, what I'm really asking is, you know, we run into cases where well, the reason I got interested in UFOs back in the 70s was because I kept, I was investigating, you know, quote unquote haunted houses and kept running into UFO sightings, you know, mm. and um, very often people will uh, associate Bigfoot sightings with the UFOs. That happens right here in New England. Uh, have you run into? Have you first of all reached any conclusions regarding uh, what we call flap area cases? You know, uh, crossover phenomena, as it's sometimes called, uh, other other kinds of phenomena not traditionally associated with UFOs being associated with UFOs or that sort of thing. Uh, what are your conclusions on that? And are there any recent cases you could give us as examples? Well, you know, um, not uh, not necessarily recent cases, but recent work what i think is really fascinating is that you know this is the route essentially that these government agents have gone down when i've talked to because i do get to in, uh, interview scientists and, and people in space uh, astronauts and such for uh, writing with journalism science seems to be uh becoming more and more accepting of the possibility of dimensions alternate dimensions being able to interact with each other sometimes in perhaps natural phenomena that occurs where you know maybe there's sort of portals that that cross over from one dimension to another or even the potential for creating artificial portals where to to do that sort of thing and this latter is kind of where their thinking goes to if there are others out there Perhaps that's the sort of thing they're doing. They're manipulating space-time in a manner um, similar to wormholes and stuff, and we see this in sci-fi, that also kind of is interdimensional and, and, you know, space-time related. And I find that really fascinating that um, scientists are going down that route, and uh, it is kind of overall paranormal because they even feel at least uh, these researchers with Bigelow Aerospace, for example, who were um, funded by the DOD to do this sort of research for them, feel that it could be possible, and they feel they've even had some of their scientists witness this sort of phenomena, 
where these portals to other dimensions can open up and like creatures can come through mm-hmm. or um, craft in that you know, poltergeist phenomena, all of this stuff is related in that manner. Yeah. And uh, it's really fascinating, especially given that the another thing we have recently is scientists willing to speculate about aliens. We have all of these papers by astronomers where if they can't figure it out, they say, well, it could be aliens. And uh, that's extraordinary because they haven't felt comfortable to do that in the past. Well, as Stan Friedman once said, uh, old ideas are not replaced by new ideas because people accept the new ideas. They're, re- they're replaced because people, the old ideas die, and then people with the uh, new ideas mm-hmm. are the only ones left. So per- perhaps that's happening in science as well. Um, one thing we wanted, yes. to ma- wanted to ask you about, uh, Alejandro, was uh, the work of Ted Phillips, who uh, <clears throat> excuse me, we both know from Missouri, uh, Ted has for oh many many decades uh, gathered evidence of uh, physical evidence of UFO landings, and he last time he was on the show he said that th- the nature of UFOs at least in his work seems to be changing. Uh, it was very nuts and bolts back in the day, but in the past uh, fifteen or twenty years it has changed into something that makes you wonder about. Uh, a more ethereal kind of UFO. Uh, he uses the example of Marley Woods, one of the areas where he's working, uh, and he believes that these uh, uh, balls of light uh, have in some ways uh, taken the headlines in UFOs lately. He thinks they're some kind of probes, or perhaps uh, <clears throat> there has been speculation these are even living things. What is your opinion on the changing nature of UFOs, or, or is it changing, and could s- at least some UFOs be living things? Or, or biomechanical, at least. Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting possibility. Um, you know, and, and it, another thing that's interesting is that science, for instance, has kind of, uh, mainstream scientists are kind of moving in that direction also, that perhaps um, that some of these things are probes. So, for instance, astronomers often say that there's no way that uh, another uh, civilization could get here and that the uh, nature of the phenomena that we're seeing, the way these craft maneuver, no living being survived these G-forces. Well, recently, there was a scientist who wrote a paper and did a presentation at a SETI uh, conference, and he said, well, we still need to take these seriously, because what if they're non-biological? They could be uh, robotic. They could be even intelligent life uh, evolved from robots, that robots from some other world have evolved into being, you know, and their bodies can take this, uh, and they can come here. And actually, surprisingly, Seth Shostak is a lead scientist at uh, SETI, who is typically a skeptical, very skeptical when it comes to UFOs. Mm. Uh, I think, you know, not fairly in many times. He's like, hey, this is a good argument. This is a really great point. So maybe we do have to take some of this stuff more seriously. So, yeah, there are different possibilities that way. One thing that's interesting, too, is scientists often also are very into the science of consciousness. And some people have speculated that, essentially, if they can master a sort of -of out-of-body sort of remote viewing, that perhaps that uh, these light entities are other consciousnesses kind of coming here to observe us. Um, that's one possibility. We don't know. Or it could be some other technology, multidimensional. Um, but you're right. 
that at least the light phenomena and some of these phenomena of these smaller objects are um, are being taken more seriously because they're seeing more often. Okay. What is the abduction phenomenon all about, do you think? Oh. Did we lose you again? Oh, dear. Hmm. Yeah, let's give it a second. Maybe he'll yeah, give it a second. He'll, he'll, Hello? There he is. There he is. Okay, Alejandro oh, Rojas, everybody. That. Okay. No, uh, okay. I don't know if you got the question, but we, we were I curious as to, as to what your opinion is about what is the what is the abduction phenomenon is all about. That's a really tough one. And, and what I was um, mentioning is what's exciting about this is, you know, the, the more scientific interest in this arena, because I think that really it has to be investigated in that manner. So we don't really necessarily have any um, evidence, at least physical evidence or anything beyond, like, uh, uh, witness testimony, uh, people saying that they're having these experiences. But we've had a lot of them, and we've had a like, couple of great inventories done. So Kathleen Martin, you mentioned earlier, she's done that with Denise Stoner. There's yeah. an organization called Free where they've interviewed thousands of and being able to experience kind of the nature of these experiences. Then there's cases like Travis Alton or the Allegash Five where we've got multiple witnesses having these experiences or being there to witness the experiences. So there's a lot of credibility to something happening, but we don't know what. Um, and that's the hard part. Certainly a fraction of these could be um, people having night terrors or uh, sleep paralysis, but uh, we don't know, you know, what percentages are, are having something unique and what aren't. John Mack, we should know, who's famous for looking into all of this, felt it was a non-physical phenomenon. Yeah, uh, John Mackle from Harvard University, who died under mysterious circumstances. Yeah. Anyway, uh, okay, well, b- before we um, run out of time here, Alejandro, could you give us uh, your website, and, uh, more information about you, uh, what you about your work, and uh, where can people find out more? Yeah, great. Um, I do have a blog called AlejandroTRojas.com, and I'm putting everything there. So all the stuff I do on space, and that, that isn't necessarily um, related to kind of paranormal stuff. And the reason why is that I'm trying to go with this idea of normalizing all of this because it is normalizing that we can talk about this in a credible manner and mix it with other credible stories related to space or science. So you can see that there. All my UFO stuff is at openminds.tv. And, of course, there's the UFO Congress that I host, and we're putting more uh, information up there all the time as well as uh, also. So, yeah. Okay, great. Ben? So I had this thought, um, well, I've been doing this sort of thought experiment for a very long time, and this is going to lead into sort of a concluding question for, for the show, I believe, that, um, I've, I've been, I've been doing a lot of, well, sort of like in my, in my spare time, kind of, kind of doing a hobby of researching sort of, um, human religions and how, like, things that they kind of have mm. in common. And one thing I've noticed is that humans love secrets. We love them. We love mm-hmm. getting secrets. We love hearing secrets. And a lot of human religions are based around the idea of secrets, not mysteries. Mysteries refer to understanding something that's ununderstandable. Secrets uh-huh. refer to hidden knowledge. 
things that are kept out of view, things that are kept out of of our minds. We love we love to search for secrets, whether it's treasures or you know a, a document that that's never been seen before, that's been kept in some sort of tomb for thousands of years. Those kinds of secrets, and for some weird reason, this deep visceral need to learn secrets has been a part of our existence since our very conception. And we would do anything to get these secrets. Now, I believe that um, the future of whatever it is we're studying here is garnering secrets, you know, uh, is, is, is basically a simplistic way of looking at it, but it's not simple. Because these secrets are part of all of us, I believe. And what do we love more than learning secrets? I believe um, that the disclosure thing is slowly giving secrets to us, whether they are, you know, it, it's like it's like those email leaks we had a few years back. You know, it was, most of it was just not like you know the Edward Snowden thing and WikiLeaks. Most of it was just like really useless stuff, like you know some 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 commanders quarreling with one another about dumb things like <laughs> etiquette and, and all that. But they're still secrets. That we realize this, oh, this is hidden knowledge. We now know, you know, what this general war really angered this other general's wife, that kind of thing. <laughs> and um, I think no matter what, as long as we get a secret, people are happy. So do you believe that the future of not only, you know, UFO research and disclosure, disclosure as well, that it's just kind of giving people what they want, which is secrets, whether small I... or large? Well, I, I think that I, you bring up a really interesting and a great point. Um, this idea of, you know, religions having this secret knowledge. And that's what religions are, really, is, is kind of the hidden um, divine information that is unique to whatever religion they have. And I think this field is like that a lot as well. In fact, I think a lot of the resistance that we've experienced, I've been kind of curious about it to some of these recent revelations, but I think it is that, that a lot of people feel like, oh, you know, we in the UFO community have this hidden knowledge, and we don't like that uh, the general public is now starting to get this knowledge, and maybe it makes us less unique somehow. Um, so I think that you're really on to something with that. Otherwise, I think, you know, even science, that's what science is all about, is looking into these secrets and trying to figure them out. Um, and in a, many senses, and, and this is kind of interesting too, is once we get that those secrets, how do we monetize it? You know, uh, that's what a corporation mm -hmm. would think. So, yeah. for instance, they would want to, uh, you know, take that information and make some money from it. And, and I think many other people would want to do that too, especially if they have technology related to some sort of craft like this. Are secrets dealt with? Um, yes, I think it, they totally are. I think that uh, what we have here, though, is a situation, and this is what's interesting, where Elizondo has kind of let out secrets because he felt they should be let out and people could handle it, and, um, and they have. He has largely been right. And to your point, the public has been really excited and receptive to it. And now the DOD is struggling because they don't want to give away their secrets. They see no reason, even if there is no strong reason to hold them, they don't want to give them away. And there has been this struggle of getting information out of them 
um, to confirm even what Elizondo has said. There's been people skeptical that he was telling the truth at all. Um, but luckily we have had some documents and stuff that, that do say that. So um, I think you have a good point, and it's a very good perspective to kind of look at all of this under. Well, regardless of what information is released and whether it's accurate or not by authorities, do you feel that science, mainstream science anyway, is, and, and we've touched on this today, that, that it is opening up more, do you, but do you think the mainstream science as such, particularly given the monetization desires and the politics and the grants, is actually up to dealing with this subject, especially if it's not nuts and bolts and gets weirder as it goes and gets into multiversal kind of approaches. I mean, so I guess the real question is, what do you see over the next 10 years as the future of the UFO field, research field? Well, you know what the numbers show, and you guys were asking, you know, what kind of what the numbers do show, and we do have some numbers in that the youth, younger people are really more interested. And uh, and that thing from Stanton Friedman is great because I think he's right, and I think that that's what we're seeing right now is that these younger scientists are the ones who, when they are speculating about a cosmic phenomena um, that is being witnesses, they're, witness, they're the ones who are willing to take that leap and say, hey, could be E.T., you know, and they are part of this shift. So I think, and I'm excited about this, and I think that you should be and we all should be because people are going to be more and more interested about what your show, show covers. They're going to bring, they're going to see what, uh, you know, you all are doing as more credible and what we are doing. And I think we're going to see this. I think we're, we're in for a really exciting shift and a really exciting change. And I think that will then enable more discovery than we've had before when we get more involvement and more credibility to all of these topics. Just a point, just a point that, that might amplify that a little bit, Alejandro. Uh, you, you like us, well, you, you like me, our journalist, and you, uh, like us, will uh, investigate other areas of the paranormal other than just UFOs. Um, I don't know if you agree, and I don't want to insult anybody here, but it seems like we find ourselves far more welcome among the UFO community, uh, and we speak at far more UFO conventions than we do paranormal ones in the generic mm -hmm. sense, because um, we are bad for business in the sense among the ghost hunters and stuff because they we, we have ideas that that uh, get into the quantum physics and stuff and very often we'll disagree with their ideas do you find the same thing in your work that you're you kind of feel more at home with the ufo people than the ghost people you know what i think that you make a great point and a lot of the people i talk to who lecture on uh kind of the broader arena of all of these topics they they say similar things for example, the Bigfoot people, they don't want to interact with the others. But it is interesting, and I think it's because of the work of people from the beginning, like Dr. J. Allen Hynek, who's portrayed in this Blue Book um, show, or like Jacques Vallée, who have always said, we can't discount any evidence that is collected, any data that is collected, nor can we um, close our minds to any possibilities and you know, um, try to think that we certainly know what it is. So I think that that has helped make our field more receptive to the to the idea that there's some interface, that there's some commonalities between these different paranormal phenomena. And whereas these other kind of paranormal researchers are still kind of scrounging for credibility, they would like that credibility. 
they feel scared that their credibility is going to be hurt when they bring in the topic, these other topics. But um, more and more, I think, serious people um, and scientists looking at this see that there is a crossover and that it's really important that we pay attention to that crossover. Well, that sounds good. And uh, I remember one of the one of the the last times I interacted with you was on uh, podcast UFO. Uh, I was up in Maine yeah. with uh, my, our good friend Martin Willis. Uh, so, what uh, what what? Where can people hear more? Hear you more on the radio? What what shows are you going to be on next? Yeah, so I have my podcast, uh, Open Minds UFO Radio, and that's at openminds.tv. But you can find it on anywhere podcasts are are broadcast. Then uh, I do the news with Martin on podcast UFO. He's on a lot of different uh, podcast streaming uh, environments as well. And let's see, I'm always doing something, uh, you know, doing interviews here or there because uh, I love talking and sharing information with people. So, uh, yeah, so uh, hopefully I'll show up on, on another of the people's favorite podcasts soon. <laughs> Very good. Well, Alejandro, it's always a, a pleasure, my friend, and uh, we'll have you back soon. Thank you very much. Okay. All right, folks, Alejandro Rojas. Check him out online. Okay, so uh, what do we got here announcement-wise? There are quite a few announcements today, so go ahead. Ben. Well, let's get right into it, I suppose. Uh, for any strange friends or relatives who uh, t- whose tastes sort of run to the, the weird and unexplained, especially since uh, Valentine's Day is coming up, so if your <laughs> significant other would like to read something sort of otherworldly, um, you can check out our uh, latest titles, including Behind the Paranormal, Everything You Know is Wrong, and Behind the Paranormal 2, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You've Never Heard of. Uh, and uh, they're available uh, from online retailers and in some stores. Uh, but for autographed copies, please visit our bookstore, BehindTheParanormal.com. Now, a week from next Saturday, that's February 16th, we'll be right here in our listening area at the 4th Annual Book Lovers Author Expo at the Cumberland Public Library in Rhode Island. Uh, there will be other southeastern New England authors of both fiction and nonfiction. Uh, we will not make a presentation, but we'll meet and greet and sign books. Uh, information is at cumberlandlibrary.org. We really love that event. Haven't been able to make it the past few years because of conflict, so we're excited about being there on the 16th and seeing a lot of old friends among the authors. There. Indeed. And on April 23rd at 1 p.m., uh, we'll be back at the Town of Prospect Senior Center uh, in Connecticut for a presentation, and we will keep you posted as details develop. And as I'm often saying, that is just a lovely facility. This event is open to the public. It's not just for members of the Senior Center. And these seniors inspire me. You know, they're a wonderful, active group. Uh, it's, it's just great to see them. And we had a huge crowd last time we were there. So hot on the trail of that event... Uh, is a new one we're especially excited about, uh, and that's not only because it's here in Rhode Island, we don't have to drive three hours or fly. Uh, it's the X-Filers United 2019 Convention set for April 26th to 28th at the Crown Plaza Hotel in Warwick, Rhode Island. This is a fan convention covering all areas of the paranormal. It's UFOs, ghost phenomena, cryptids, and more. Uh, along with Ben and myself, speakers will include, we'll be speaking on Saturday. That's a tough weekend for us because of uh, uh, the Orthodox Easter, but uh, we'll be be um, there uh, on Saturday. Uh, popular guest co-host uh, Shane Searway will be a speaker. Also filmmaker Alexander Petikoff, UFO researcher and experiencer Mike Stevens, along with America's youngest recognized cryptid expert who's been on the show, Colin Schneider. Uh, famous medium Gary McKinstry, author Susan Brunell, UFO experiencer Tom Reed, and a number of other big names. Uh, we'll give you more details as they firm up. The website is x-filersunited.com. 
And events later this year will include appearances at the Nashua, New Hampshire Public Library in August, along with the Exeter UFO Festival uh, on Labor Day weekend and the Greater New England UFO Conference in Lemonster, Mass. on Columbus Day weekend. At some point this fall, there will also be a release party for my new book, Dancing Past the Graveyard, Poltergeists, Parasites, Parallel Worlds, and God, which will be published in hardcover this fall by Schiffer Books, and we'll keep you posted on that as details develop. And also in the works is a third book uh, we are writing together, and uh, this one will be on the subject of UFOs, Beyond the Assumptions. You can check out our show website, BehindTheParanormal.com, where you can find out more about the show, our many cases over the years, our public appearances, and you'll find over 800 free recorded shows uh, from our 10-plus years on the air, including our four-and-a-half-year run on CBS Radio, along with special shows and podcasts. There are also a number of links to several charities Ben and I have adopted. These include usacares.org, a wonderful charity that financially helps uh, veterans, uh, wounded veterans who are in need. Uh, CanadianVeteransAdvocacy.org, uh, that also that does the same thing on the Canadian side of the line. Uh, Helping Haiti's Orphans which uh, started around the time of 2010 on the terrible Haiti earthquake, and they run an, or- two orf- an orphanage and a transitional home down there uh, for these wonderful kids who have found themselves without parents after that terrible disaster and for other reasons. Uh, they, uh, the organizers live right here in Rhode Island, so we know them. Uh, youth Mentoring Connection uh, in Los Angeles. Youth, youth Mentoring, uh, with, it's um, uh, Tony LeRae out there doing wonderful things for the uh, at-risk youth of that city. And the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation of America, which is um, a, fund, a charity close to our hearts because we've had uh, relatives who, who suffer from this terrible disease. And it is it has been called, our good friend Denise Stoner refers to it as the demon disease. Mm. And I think it really is. So anyway, Ben, what's in the crystal ball for next week? So next week, uh, February 10th, here on uh, WON, 1240 AM and 99.3 FM, we plan to do something we haven't done in a long time, and uh, we'll take the show ourselves to look behind the most bizarre and recent reports from the paranormal world. Well, that'll be pretty interesting. Uh, we leave you this afternoon with a beautiful thought from 13th century Persian poet, scholar, and mystic Rumi. Only from your heart can you touch the sky. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you behind the paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.